This is your emergency broadcast system. You are listening to the hashtag This with the Beer podcast. Business that you never heard before. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be a bumpy flipping ride. May God be with you all. Welcome, friends, once again to the show where we say what we want to say. That's what the shirt says. This is another episode of the business podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hashtag biz with the beard podcast. Business as you've never heard before. And I'm your host, the guy who believes that if you're going to marry, marry a man with a beard because a man who's patient enough to grow a beard has enough patience to put up with your shit. I am the beard, Curfee Smith. I wanted to give a sincere shout out, though, got to get a little bit serious here to all our listeners uh, in the past and now our viewers as well. I'm truly appreciative, again, of everybody, all their support. And, uh, you know, it, it's really humbling that people actually want to jump on the show uh, on their platforms and listen to what we have to say. So, again, thank you so much. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to one of our many platforms out there, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Make sure you go out there and give us a good rating. Uh, five stars would be much appreciated. And many of you just heard, I did say viewers, we are on YouTube now. We have a brand new YouTube channel. We haven't really boosted it much, but you now can watch the show and my guest uh, on YouTube as well. So please go out there and subscribe on YouTube and leave some positive comments. Now, today's guest is a good friend of mine. He hails from Illinois, so don't hold that against him. He is the owner of Hyatt Consulting and Insurance, where he helps businesses ease benefits Ease benefits complex, complex, complexity. So that makes it nice. Say it right. I don't know why I try to use big words sometimes. I'm not that you intelligent. Got it. You got it. Complexity. He helps business ease business complexity. That's it. Uh, <laughs> he has quickly cultivated a reputation for being an expert in group health insurance, self-funded telemedicine, benefit administration, and payroll. He is also also a CrossFit enthusiast, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, to where his workout regime is a crucial part of his personal and business life. Besides that, he has been recently spotted on occasion with facial hair. Boys and girls, I am pleased to have on the show, Mr. Dan Hyatt. Dan, welcome to the hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast, man. Good morning, Kirby. It's great to be here. And yeah, as far as my beard's concerned, you have to get a real close look to find it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures recently where you've had a thicker one, and then what happened? You got rid of it? Is it summer? It's, you know, summer, it's it, getting hot. It's it's warming up. It gets a little itchy, so I just uh, every once in a while shave it off, start from scratch, and uh, yeah, I'm jealous of the beard, man. It's cool. Well, you know, you know, you know, you know what the solution is to being itchy is, right? I don't tell me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you right here, right here. Have beard oil. Yes, yeah. Look at hey, hey. <laughs> from Anyaka Beard Company. The, the hashtag Biz Beard Oil, right? So if you can see it right there, I can. That's it. So this will help with the itchiness and make it grow thick and full, right? That's the only, all right. The Good only stuff. thing I use. So hey, got to do my own little plug there, right? <laughs> Your show, man. <laughs> so we've been talking a while now, Dan. For you, for you know, to get you on the show. And uh, again, thanks for coming on and appreciate your patience, but I'm excited to have you. And I hope, you know, you're excited to be here, man. I am very excited. And I guess my approach to benefits group health insurance is, is a little bit similar to the title of your show. I like to be a disruptor. 
tell, yeah. it, like it, tell it like it is, you know? Exactly. Um, I think there's so many guys in, in my position kind of tell employers what they want to hear. Yep. Don't have the tough conversations, just kind of roll along and make their money. Absolutely. And- well, yeah, you, you know, I'm definitely a disruptor. And actually yeah. it's funny because I just had a conversation this week with a, a new client and uh, we were going through kind of the negotiation part of it, right? Say, hey, but we bring you on. And I just kind of flat out told the man, I said, hey, you need to check your ego at the door. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and I, and a lot of people are like, man, why would you even say that? And uh, I was like, hey, man, it's just the fact. You know, I don't have time to waste with people and I don't want to waste their time too. And if we do that, going in with the wrong uh, approach or mindset that I'm going to you know, go do it your way, then there's no reason to hire me. And I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. And everyone's just going to be upset at the end. So no reason to mess around with that crap. Well, I think, I think your business sounds similar in that regard to mine. Not every prospect will make a good client. Yeah. So let's get that out of the way right away. Are you, do we have a potential to be a good fit Uh, based on what I, what my philosophies are? If we do, then we can move forward, but you know, it's okay to say no to somebody I'm not right for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. We're not going to make this happen. We connected. So what's the point? Right. And, and there's a lot of ways to, you know, you know, get that down to the point where you can make that decision, but um, sure. you know, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that. So I think that's a, that's a great thing to talk about. Um, before we do that though, and since you did have a beard, uh, you definitely need to grow that back. Uh, we got to talk about the weekly beard fact, right? So uh, are you, are you a big uh, music listener? I enjoy music a lot. Yes. Yeah. Because you work out a lot. We'll talk about that. What do you, what do you yeah. listen to when you work out? Oh, it's generally like things you'll find on Lithium Channel on Sirius RX. Okay. You know, some pretty heavy stuff, not angry stuff. But Okay. Um, you a ZZ Top fan? Oh, man. I, I got to tell you, I've got their live, a live album on my iTunes that I listen to all the time uh, of ZZ Top. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had a, currently. Yep. They had a special on Netflix, a show about them, which is really I've interesting. And I did not realize how long they've been around. I thought they were just like an 80s band. And uh, when I watched it, I was like, wow, they've been around a long time. It was quite interesting. And uh, it, it was a good show. Yeah. But and obviously, you know, they're, they're known for the beards, right? That, that's, that, that's pretty cool. And the fact is the drummer who doesn't have a beard, his last name is Beard. So beard, that's, yeah. even, that's another good, interesting thing. But um. So speaking of beard facts, Billy Gibbons and uh, Dusty Hill, the two lead guys from the band ZZ Top, they've actually turned down offers of $1 million to shave off their beards. So, uh-huh. And, and, and you know, I, was, I was reading this, and I, mean, I think they talked about in the show, Gibbons actually reported the, you know, uh, Gillette, the famous razor brand, right? Uh, right. The, guys that ga- the guys that gouge you for razors. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and that's, that's why I started growing a beard. Just get, it, got, it got too expensive to shave. Um, <laughs> they offered the duo that a million bucks to shave off both their beers and both men, you know, they turned it down obviously because that's their brand and right. Yeah. And they opted to keep their beloved beers instead. So, I mean, I just, I just go to show all the money in the world cannot buy back your soul. So, uh, can you, can you relate Kirby? Can you relate? Yes, you I can relate. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I live down in Atlanta, right. And I don't know if you know, but I've done uh, some acting gigs, some extra gigs and things like that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was uh, actually recently, if you watched uh, Mike Rowe's new show, six degrees of Mike Rowe. Yeah. yeah. I am on there. I actually play an oil baron in that show uh, on one of his episodes. Actually, you can find me as an extra in a couple other uh, episodes as well. But 
going back to your question, yes, I, I can relate because I have been offered roles where they said, well, will you shave your beard? And I said, no, that ain't going to happen. So I said, are you going to pay me? And man, you know, no, they weren't going to do that. So I said, no, <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen. So, so Dan, we, we brought this up earlier. Tell me about your fitness journey you're on. I, I know you're a big, you know, CrossFit guy. Uh, have you always been this way? Why is it so important um, at your age? And if you don't mind sharing us your age with you, that'd be great. Yeah, and you believe, you know, it, it, it's really important for all entrepreneurs and business leaders to, uh, uh, you know, to, to stay healthy and uh, do more than just uh, show up every day and work their butts off. Yeah, well, I've worked out. I've been a fitness. Um, I've been into fitness off and on my whole life, but I really got serious about it. I quit drinking about seven years ago. Nice. Um, and kind of had an epiphany and started CrossFit and uh, have been an avid, avid CrossFitter since then. Um, so I think. How, how old are you, man? I am 58. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. It goes to show that, man. Fact, it's never too late. As a matter of fact, I just uh, did a body composition thing. I'm, I'm 9% body fat. That is amazing, man. 58 years old. So for you old guys out there, not that you're old, curving the other people. Um, <laughs> no, it I'm is possible at our age. And I think it really translates, like you said, it really translates well into business. Um, I kind of have a motto about CrossFit and about business and the people I work with um, that I'm tenacious and I'm focused. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm disciplined. Yeah. So those are the things you need to do CrossFit, to do any fitness regime or really do anything, to be honest. Um, if you take that kind of attitude into everything you do, um, you're, I think you're going to have a great chance at success and you're going to, you know, you translate that into what you do for your clients. Yeah. You're, you're tenacious for your clients. Yeah. You're you're focused and disciplined. You're focused, you're you're clear minded, you know, um, you know, and I I absolutely the discipline part of it. Right. Exactly. The fact that you get up in the morning or in the evening or whatever you do it and be disciplined about that regiment. Right. Helps you in your business because the more successful people are regimented. And I truly believe that I'm regimented every day, every day. My whole day is taken up one way or the other. And, uh, you know, and I don't fly by the seat of my pants. I used to a long time ago, <laughs> get up, say, okay, what am I going to go do today and try to knock it out? And that's just unhealthy. And, you know, once I started getting on that regimented, you know, health and, uh, you know, uh, workout and uh, diet, um, it's helped me in my business as well. Yeah. Nutrition is a huge thing too. And, and, uh, I try to eat well, you know, I had, I hired a nutrition coach at one point, and she said, just, just eat natural foods. You know, yeah. it comes down to don't eat processed stuff, eat stuff. That's exactly. Good. Eat natural foods. You'll feel better. Yeah. And then we can perform better in our business because we feel better. Oh, absolutely. And the older you get, it becomes more struggle, right? Cause the older you get more responsibilities, more stress yeah. and, you know, being unhealthy does not help that. It makes it, you know, it just makes it a lot worse. So and you can get away with it in your thirties, Kirby, you know, um, <laughs> right. But the older you get, you gotta be, you got to be better than that. Yeah. That's what I try to do. Well, with the healthy body comes a uh, healthy mindset. And I recently did a video and, we, and you just actually talked about it on firing prospects. Um, walking away from money, it's always difficult to do. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a, I think it's a positive thing to do if it's, if it's not a good fact. Um, and I saw you recently did a social media post and we just brought it up that touched on this as well. Is this something that occurs frequently to you? Or, and, what, and like, what are the signs you look for and how, how do you assess, 
you know, that a prospect, not a client, but an actual prospect um, is going to be a good fit. And how's that mindset t- helped you grow your business? Yeah. Um, well, I have an acronym for, for my process. It's called EASE, E-A-S-E. Okay. okay. Um, so if a client's willing to go through this process, I think they're a good, or prospects willing to go through this process, I think they're possibly a good fit as a client. So EASE is E for educate, A for alternatives, S for streamline, and then E again for empower. So if, if I talk through some of these things with a prospect and they have a mind that's open to, to doing things differently um, than the status quo, they're open-minded about maybe disrupting some things that they do and taking my advice, then I think they're probably a good fit as a client. If, but it's amazing how many people tell me, oh, I only, I only think about my health, my group health insurance once a year. I hate it. Mm-hmm. That's not a good client, yeah. right? Because it's never going to be better. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I want to hear somebody that says, yeah, Dan, we want you to engage with our employees on a consistent basis. Our current guy isn't doing it for us. Um, yeah. yeah, Dan, I want you to streamline our enrollment process or our payroll process. Tell us what we need to do. Yeah. Um, we want to be empowered with data that we get from our health plan so that we can make educated decisions and be engaged in it on a consistent basis. But man, I tell you, you know, if somebody says, ah, I only talk about this once a year, it's like, okay, yeah, can't, we're not going to be a good fit because you yeah. have to stay with the guy you're with. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's certain things that I look forward to is just, you know, one of the things I always try to do in my assessment when I'm asking questions and I'll ask several questions in an assessment. Sometimes I don't know I'm doing the assessment. I try to get them to the point where they start to, where, where's the blame, right? I mean, someone comes to me because there's some issues and there's some problems they need to be solved, right? Or they want to grow. And, and when I, if I can get out of my client or my potential prospect, um, someone to say, you know what, this is my fault. I'm not doing this right. I, you know, I, I get it. Right. When I start hearing someone say, uh, you know, it's, you know, my employees stink, my morale's down, you know, my salespeople, they're, they're doing horrible. It's, it's always them, 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 and not, you know, themselves. We're not going to be a good fit. And I, and I put that out there. You go to my website. Some people go, man, you're kind of bold and brash. You know, how, how does that really attract anybody? I said, you know, I guess I could be white noise like all the other business consultants and be another consultant that comes in for a year and leaves. But, you know, that's not me. I'm looking for long term strategies, long term relationships, people that keep me around. And the, my greatest clients are the ones uh, that succeed are the ones that actually listen, you know, execute what we discuss. And then, you know, uh, they have that self-awareness of like, you know what, Hey, I, I, I've screwed up. I need, I need to make a change and they're willing to make that change. Yeah. And uh, I, those- I think that's one thing I look for curfew is if somebody's work, willing to take personal responsibility mm-hmm. and they acknowledge that that's a great sign. And one of the first things I really, the first thing I ask a prospect in an opening interview or a discovery call or whatever is what's the biggest challenge you have in your business. Yeah. I don't ask about what their census is or what the plan design is. 
I want to know what the biggest challenge in your business is. Well, it's a differentiator, right? Now you're different than everybody else. Yeah. Right? Because anybody, you know, you're, you're making come in and ask the same dumb questions at any insurance agent. Now, that's when you get into the apples apples comparison, right? You know, right. you know who, who's your carrier? You know, what's your rates? Da, 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 all this, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's easy. And uh, that's what, if that's the value you bring, Dan, that's not a long-term relationship. It, you know, is, I, I, it is not. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to have those conversations. Yeah. Some, but... You know what I hear when I most frequently when I ask, you know, what what's your biggest challenge as a business? And it doesn't have to be about benefits. And it generally isn't. The biggest thing I hear is I can't hire and retain employees. Mm-hmm. How can you help me hire and retain top talent? What, so what do you think? What's, what's the biggest issue with that? In your opinion? I like to hear that answer. Um, in my world, it's having the right benefits or having benefits at all. I mean, I have conversations with people that don't have group plans and are trying to set one up to compete. I have clients that have mediocre health plans and, um, and need to fine tune it and improve it to attract people. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on where they are. But um, in my world, it's, it's really the benefits. But I think it's a culture, too. Yeah, um, Absolutely. You know, it's a cultural thing, uh, flexibility in the employee, in the workplace, um, just a, just a, yeah, absolutely. Culture. but I try to, I try to affect the culture by the benefits. And that's generally the number one thing that differentiates other than salary. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. And then my answer, a lot of times when people ask me that question, because they ask me, I mean, I have a time, you know, hiring people or keeping people in, you know, or getting what I want out of them, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, my response is always like, because you suck. <laughs> you suck yeah. at hiring. You suck at being a manager. You suck at being a leader. You got to admit that and you got to do it differently. And the reality is we live in a world now where it's not the eighties, you know, and, and people can go make money any way they want, right? The internet has created this chasm of just being able to manifest money, right? So I don't need an eight, a nine to five job or an eight to five job to make money. That's what our grandparents did and our parents, they had to do that, right? To make extra money. They had to work two jobs at the same rate of pay. It's not the case anymore. And you have to have that mindset as a leader of, you know what? get out of the mentality of your butt needs to be in the seat at eight o'clock and you can't leave till five. You know what I mean? Cause I'm paying you, you need to pay, be paying on results. And the whole mindset of you work for me is not a great culture. Actually it's as a CEO, you work for your employees and that's how you're going to get the most out of them. Hey, hire people and let them do their job. Yep. Uh, I think the best leadership does that. They don't micromanage. And to be honest with you, you mentioned, you know, the employer sucks. Well, most health plans suck, man. Yeah, you yeah. Know, prices have gone up. What they've done is they sacrifice benefits. They sacrifice what they contribute for the employee. Keep the cost down, yeah. They keep the cost down. And they view, they view their health plan as an expense. I try to get them to focus on the health plan as an investment. Yeah. You know, it's an investment in your people. Let's fine tune it, make it the best investment it can be. And, you know, make it make sense to HR, the CFO, CEO, the business owner, uh, and the employee um, to improve the culture in a business uh, and help them hire and retain people, which again, that's the biggest thing I'm hearing. Now, I also hear I'm worried about compliance. That's kind of a boring issue, but compliance, I've I've run across situations where 
you know, everybody's supposed to have a SPD, a summary plan description of the benefits. I've run across big health plans where they don't even give SPDs to their customers or really? their employees. And employees. Wow. Something that simple. So really the first thing is, uh, as I said, um, I can't retain and hire people, but then there are compliance issues that kind of come up. Those yeah. are the top two things I hear. And well, let's 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 start taking this from the approach of uh, this conversation as you know, and me being a uh, CFO, former CFO and CFO consultant. Yeah. One of the biggest issues I see in your industry is the never-ending rising costs and benefits, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, and I've always res- had respect for you guys because I think it's a tough gig to come back with rising costs every year. Yeah. Uh, on, on renewals. Uh, it, it, it reminds me of a joke. Have you ever heard this joke of a man walking down the street? He's like smoking, drinking, uh, like bourbon or whiskey and swearing to himself. And then a preacher crosses his path and starts just laying into him for five minutes. And, and, and the preacher finishes talking to the guy and says, I'm 64, I'm 64 years old. Uh, I've never smoked, drank or swore. And the guy turns around and says, yeah, you've never sold insurance. So. <laughs> Yeah, sir. Yeah. But it's a real dilemma. It's a real dilemma in your industry, right? Because it is a constant rising cost. So what strategy as a CFO, HR person can I use or what's the best way to stay on top of this issue that keeps coming up every year? Okay. Well, I would say the big, the, the overall thing that helps or can help solve the problem is make sure you have a health plan that provides transparency and cost. Okay. So many people have health plans where they don't get much data. They don't get much information. They get a 10% renewal. The agent might be able to negotiate it down to 8% and then they renew it, you know, at an eight to 10% increase every year. They think that's, that's the only thing they can do. So, First of all, you have to evaluate the health plan, make sure they're in the appropriate health plan, something that gives data and transparency into costs, okay? So, okay, so when you say data and transparency, what does that mean? Well, that means see specifically what the inputs into care cost, okay? What, What are your pharmaceuticals costing specifically and what are they, okay? Right. Um, what are your big ticket procedures costing and can you do it better and cheaper somewhere else? Okay, so it's what we call the healthcare supply chain. You're an ex-CFO, you're, you're used to dealing with a product supply chain as a CFO on a product you're producing. I try to talk to CFOs about their healthcare supply chain. So, don't just take an eight or 10% rate increase and say that's the way it is. And that's inflation. Be able to pick your health plan apart and see all the pieces of the healthcare supply chain to identify where the product, where the problems are. A lot of times it's the pharmaceuticals. Okay. It can be big ticket items like hip replacements, um, uh, heart problems, cancers, uh, so we try to identify those big ticket items through the data we can get from a transparent health plan, see what they are, because you can't tackle the problem unless you know what your specific problems are, right? So just hire young people is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you don't discriminate. No, no I, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You need to know 
you need to know what your problems are before you can fix them. And so many health plans, you don't know what the specific problems right. are. So start with transparency, identify what your specific problems are, and, and try to fix the healthcare supply chain uh, by finding the most appropriately priced procedures and drugs and that kind of thing that are based on your causing, demographic, right? Based on your demographic, based on your specific use in your health plan. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, for, for an example, right. I mean, and this is a great, this is a great question because you know, the one of the things that you, you brought up that you do is self-funded, right? right. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a great tool, but you have to understand your demographic within your, your employee base, right? What, and, and, and if I have, you know, 30 employees and 20 of them are female under, you know, 30 years old with one kid or no kids, there's a good chance you're going to have a lot of pregnancy procedures. So you have to be able to fund that, correct? Right, right. You have self fund I'm a big proponent of self-funded. If, it, if it's okay. appropriate, if, it, if it's an appropriate, if it's appropriate, yeah. if it's appropriate, but that's, that's where you do your fact finding and find out things like demographics. Okay. Some groups uh, have 60 year old males and above, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that smoke. They're probably not a great demographic for self-funded. Some, oh, I have a couple of clients that are municipalities. You know, so they pay their premium with tax revenue and they don't want any risk, even though we can mitigate risk with self-funded products and procedures, they don't want self-funded scares. They, so they're not a great fit. They don't want the risk. Right. Okay? So they want to be fully insured, even though demographically, they might be a great fit. So you, you figure out risk tolerance of the, the company and the, of the business. You find out demographics of the business and you make a, a suggestion based on that. Um, and, you know, on the larger groups, on self-funded groups, we can do underwrite. We can evaluate risk before they get into a self-funded product to make mm -hmm. sure they're appropriate for it from a risk standpoint. How do you mitigate? You may mention you get, there's ways to mitigate. How do you, how do you mitigate? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the pieces of a self-funded plan, you know, you're buying specific, you're, you're paying an administrator to administer plans. That, that's, the, that's one of the fixed cost elements. You also buy reinsurance, right? The reinsurance pays claims above a certain amount. So that mitigates your risk. And typically the bigger the group is, the higher that reinsurance level is, the more risk the group takes on. The smaller it is, the smaller the, the reinsurance level. So we build so in reinsurance. Explain, explain that to me for maybe some of these smaller companies and businesses yeah. out there who are looking at jump. What What is reinsurance? What does that mean? Well, that just let me give you an example. So if, if you're a group of 20, you might have a $15,000 specific reinsurance level, which means you're responsible for claims on an individual up to $15,000. Once that level's hit, the reinsurance carrier reimburses the plan. Okay. So, so it keeps unexpected large claims from destroying the plan. Okay. You also have aggregate reinsurance, which means that the group reaches a certain level as a total reinsurance kicks in. So those are the two main risk um, mitigators, I guess you could say, um, that, that we use. Uh, we put caps on the expenses that the group as a whole can pay and an individual can pay. And by okay. doing that, we bundle it all and say, hey, here's, here's the maximum you're going to have to pay for the next year, if, if worst case scenario. But hey, if you have a great year, you're not going to spend all your money. Uh -huh. Okay. 
if you have a decent year, you're, you're not going to spend all your money. You're going to have money left in your pool or get refunded money that the insurance company would keep if you were fully insured. So, um, and that goes back to and understand whether you're gonna have a good year or a bad year. I mean, it's all a risk, right? But trying to mitigate those risks and understand your again, who's your demographic? Who what what do you what does your employee base look like, right? Well, I can you probably, tell you, you probably guess pretty quickly if you're gonna have a good year or a bad year. Yeah, you can you can make uh, by evaluating risk, you can determine whether somebody has a great a good chance of being yeah. successful. Um, I can tell you over years, you know, I've been in this business, like I said, I'm 58, I've been in this business doing it for 30 years. You, most companies are going to have a couple of good years, an average year, and then a crappy year in, in a four-year cycle. Right. Okay. It's just the way it is. It's cyclical. It almost always happens. So another thing I try to do is have CFOs, CEOs, business owners, you got to have more than a one or two or three-year timeline in the way you think about these things. Right. Okay? I, was, I was reviewing a renewal with a self-funded client that had had bad claims recently and they took a, they're taking a little bit larger increase because of these bad claims. I'm like, but you got to realize how good things were the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Where we took you from three or four years ago, even after this slightly worse renewal, you're below where you were before. Okay. So don't take a one-year snapshot and say, oh, this isn't working. Look at it over the long haul. Like everything else in business should be curvy. It's a long time. Oh, I I absolutely agree. Yep. So anything what I do, same thing. It's like, you know, Hey, if you look at me, you're looking for a 30 day fix. Ain't going to happen. I'm in here for the long haul. This is going to take some time, right? There are certain caveats in your business that just, you can't flip a switch and it's going to change. But you stick with this and stick to the plan. It will evolve. It will work. Um, Don't get me wrong. I, I look for immediate savings for prospects and clients and it does happen. Um, but when it does happen, I remind them mm-hmm. three or four years down the line, you may have a tough year and keep this in mind, right? Remember the 10% reduction I was able to get you the first year and the savings you accumulated the second and third year. And then when the fourth year hits and you have a bad claims year, things go up a little bit. It's all in perspective. Yeah. Right. How has... Oh, not to change the subject, but I'm kind of curious because you're talking about risk and things that you, you don't expect. How has this, uh, if at all, this global pandemic with wow. COVID, how has that affected the industry and people's, you know, I, I'm curious because this is something that we've really never experienced in a long time, if ever, uh, in your industry. You know, how has that affected it? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, it's, it's affected it in several profound ways, really. Um, the first thing I noticed was such a huge, you know, obviously people that are used to working in an office together <coughs> are easy to communicate with or all of a sudden are scattered all across town or all across mm-hmm. the city or wherever. So communicating benefits and communicating anything as an employer is very difficult. And a huge challenge. Yeah. It's a huge challenge. So, so the tech, the, Technology that we use has just become, um, it's, it's, it's so important and so essential. Things like Zoom meetings, you know, so you, right? Like you and I are doing today. Uh, 10 years ago, we wouldn't be doing this. Exactly. Um, same thing with employees trying to communicate with them. You know, they're doing Zoom meetings. Yep. To keep people together. Um, yep. 
there was a huge, huge explosion in telemedicine. Uh, so to specifically talk about my business. So telemedicine, what's that? Yeah. So basically there are a multitude of apps, applications for your phone. Everybody, almost everybody has a smartphone now um, that you download and you can have access to primary care physicians through your yep. app on your phone. As a matter of fact, I caught a cold three weeks ago and I still have lingering sinus problems today. Before I hopped on this with you, I got on my telemedicine app and within 10 minutes, I got a phone call from a doctor and had uh, augmented prescribed that I can pick up after this interview to knock out my sinusitis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, right, I mean, so, you couldn't do that before. And I, I mean, a couple, like even a couple of years ago, you couldn't do that before. It was, no, it, no, you have to walk your butt into the office and sit there and wait for your 12 o'clock appointment. That doesn't come until one, one thirty. <laughs> or, or sit half the day in urgent care. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, I mean, uh, when this really, this really hit me a couple of years ago, a friend of yours, who's a president of a bank in Trentsville. Yeah. Told me his story about his telemedicine app. He left Peoria, used his telemedicine app, had his prescription by the time he got back to Princeville and he huge proponent of it. Um, yeah. And it doesn't cost anything for the, typically it doesn't cost anything for the user to use. Mm -hmm. it's, and it's built into a lot of health plans. It's very economical for an employer to put in their health plan. So um, huge explosion of that, obviously during the pandemic, right? Because yeah. People can't get out to see their, they can't sit in the waiting room or yeah. to, didn't want to. Um, it's technology that I really, really love and works very well. Um, well, let me ask you this with the coronavirus and this pandemic, obviously, you know, the, 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 the message that's been put out there is if you congregate, you have a higher risk of it, right. And uh, contracting it. So does that affect your premium costs at all to say, Hey, you know, our company, we have a hundred employees or 200 employees. We're all remote. We only have like 10 that work within the office. Does that affect your rates or not? Or I mean, tell me. I I think what's happening is we saw slightly more modest rate increases maybe recently, but as people are allowed to congregate again and, and seek care that might be elective care that they put off, they're going to see a surge in, in claims and possibly a surge in uh, pricing. Yeah. The next renewal cycle, maybe the end of this year. Uh -oh. year. Okay. <laughs> because people are catching up with the elective things that they put off. Yeah. Another thing that we saw a surge of was mental health. Um, yeah. Access. That's another thing you can access through uh, EAPs, of course, uh, your employee assistance yep. programs. Hopefully those are in place, but you can also uh, access that through some telemedicine apps as well. Uh, you can access that care. So, you saw a surge, maybe an uptick in, in utilization of mental health services um, as a result of the pandemic. So oh. telemedicine in general has, has boomed. Um, I think it's here to stay. Uh, mental health uh, costs and utilization uh, went up. And claims in general were subdued a little bit because the elective stuff wasn't going on. Um, but people are going to play catch up and employers need to be careful uh, if they're in, in a fully insured pool that that pool may take a bigger increase um, in the next renewal cycle as a result of people catching up on those yeah. elective surgeries. So 
Yeah, the the pandemic has you know it's, it's affected a lot of things like that. I mean, you know, stuff that I've been pushing, right? So my whole business model has been virtual. I do everything virtual. I don't do a lot of stuff in person. I'll, I'll go once a quarter, once or uh, maybe twice a year to go visit a client. But other than that, everything's virtual. And uh, it made it very difficult at the beginning because people have this mentality of just got to, I have to be in the seat. I have to be here, you know, in order for us, this to be successful, this to work. I don't see how it can work if you're not here. And we try to push this narrative. It's like, we don't need to be there. I don't need to be there. I can be more effective and more efficient for you by not being there. And as this pandemic happened and people were forced to go that way, um, that's when the uptick, uptick in my business started booming. Like, well, now, yes, I'm going to start looking at this, right? And um, maybe having that one individual as my bookkeeper is not the best route. And I can go to someone like ACS Executives where I have a, a team, an accounting team for less money and it's more efficient. So um, yeah. it's just interesting how, you know, certain events in life and certain events around the world can just alter an industry, uh, yours, mine, and others, you know, positively if not negatively so well Kirby I I my job really is to put together the pieces to make a, an effective health plan okay I, I don't do any of it myself right. right I just find the right team members yep to plug into the right spots of a health plan to affect that healthcare supply chain and uh, you know it's, it's very similar to your business um, okay. and being there virtually for your clients is more acceptable now than it's ever been. I've got clients in St. Louis, you know, down near Quincy, Peoria, Princeton, all over Illinois and Missouri. And it's acceptable now yeah. for us to have a meeting like you and I are having. Jump on Zoom real quick, right? Jump on Zoom or even a phone call. It's, yeah. it's, uh, I used to do everything face-to-face. -face. I used to walk in everywhere and hand out my business card. Yeah. You don't have to do it anymore. Right. The, the world's changed. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we, I've been calling for this, especially because we do digital marketing and things like that, right? Um, and I've, I've said that often. I said, man, the world is going to change. It is not, digital marketing is not going away. Um, and if you're sitting there, you know, your sales force and your business model has been by word of mouth for the past 20, 30 years. That's great. I applaud you. You know, hats off. Great. It's not going to survive that way. You have to start moving in the direction of, you know, SEO and content marketing and email marketing and digital marketing, you know, that's the direction it's going to go. And if you're not willing to go there, you're going to be forced to go there one way or the other. And I think this pandemic really shot a lot of people in the foot because they didn't realize that right now, my salespeople can't go out, like you said, and knock on the door and walk in. It is, it's not allowed. And I don't know, is it a lot? I mean, certain States it is, but in other States it's not, I mean, Illinois dragged their feet. Uh, yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, Georgia, how we've been open for over a year now, but <laughs> so, uh, but again, it's still a lot of people don't want you, you know, walking in uh, and they don't want to just see you anymore. So there, you have to be a little bit more, you know, intelligent on how you approach your prospects and you have to make sure you bring a value when you do approach them. You do. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to build a brand on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the only social media I'm on is LinkedIn, the business to business platform. And that's where probably most of your target pro profile is. And that's where it's it that's where my target target uh, people are. So that's where I'm trying to build my brand and my business. Don't get me wrong. We still need word of mouth, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We still need to pick up the phone and call people and prospect. And I actually enjoy doing cold calling occasionally. Just mm -hmm. it's my blood flowing. Um, it's but it, I have to. We have to understand it's not. It's not 
the core of our marketing, right? right, it, right. It's, it, it's kind of an, an accent to what we do. It's, it's, uh, yeah, but we have to do it all. I agree though, you know, LinkedIn, social media, that kind of thing is a huge. Yeah. So speaking of conspiracy theories, uh, <laughs> you talk about this it's a surge and rate increases coming I gotta ask you this being a CFO and this is one of the conspiracy theories I always thought was out there and you can confirm it for me or not and I do certain agents not present the rate increase when they get them on purpose my experience is yes <laughs> I know so explain uh, to people what I just asked you know yeah. because I know what I asked it and so you explain well, Typically, we get your renewal three months in advance. <laughs> and there are, what happens, Dan. there are advisors and agents out there that hang on to that until about a month before, especially if it's a bad renewal, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, try to control the behavior of the client. Um, yeah, because in 30 days, you ain't got much time to make a change if you have to make you a have, change. That, you have you have no time to make the change by renewal time, right? So if you get, you know, if you have an agent that's doing it, if you're not seeing your renewal two months prior, you got a problem because yeah. your agent's getting it in most cases two to three months prior. Yeah. So I, I make a practice of as soon as I get the renewal, I don't care what it is, boom, I'm, I'm emailing it to the client and having a conversation on the phone, setting up a strategy, a timeline for the renewal and what our strategy is. Yeah. You know, two thirds of the time, my clients are getting zero to small rate increases the way right. set things up. So that's a really easy conversation to have. Um, but if it's a bad renewal, you got to get that information in your client's hands. And I think you build trust and, and uh, they appreciate that. I, I agree. I mean, like I said, I always appreciate communication. That's one of the things I push for in my business. You know, when we do digital marketing or a CFO bookkeeping, or whatever, you know, we create a huge communication environment where, you know, we have a project management system. Everybody can see what's going on at any time. You know, you have access to us. You get your own email within our company. It's, it's we probably overload on communicating with our clients because I don't ever feel like, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard, or I, you know, no one's talked to me i don't like that because when that happens you know doubt happens and i they start to wonder is their best interest and my best interest and that's the value that i want to create is that yes we're here for your best interest not mine and i see it all the time and again i saw in your i saw it in your industry and I still see it in your industry is yeah. you have those guys or those gals that will just wait 30 days and then you're like you know what happens and I will say, I will say some people don't like it when they, when some companies hire me, they like some agents go, there's certain agents out there in certain markets. Like, oh God, they hired Kerfee. He's, well, <laughs> he's, he's going to make those, me work. Those agents are the dinosaurs in the business. I, I may be old, but I don't consider myself a dinosaur. Right. Um, you know, it, more information is better. More communication, the more communication, the better, yeah. uh, the more transparency in what we do as advisors and brokers and agents more transparency about what we do. I think in the long run, you know, we're going to, we're going to witness pain in clients and prospects, but in the long run, they're going to appreciate it. Right. And it's the best thing for their business. They have to have, they have to have time uh, yeah. to absorb rate increases. If they have to pass along a rate increase to employees, how do they, 
how do they handle that? Um, yeah. Do they absorb more of the cost as the employer? Or do they pass it on to the employee? Businesses need time to, to uh, absorb this. And an agent that throws a renewal on the table a month before is really doing a horrible, great disservice to people. So, well, yeah. Dan, a lot of my uh, uh, listener, listenership, there are a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of, you know, business owners, CEOs, CFOs, uh, you know, even you know, a, lot, a lot of leadership role, people, individuals that are leaders within the organizations listen to this and they probably, um, you know, deal with, you know, you and other agents that are out there. What, can you answer maybe the one pressing question that you hear all the time and kind of just get it out of the way? Uh, what, like what's one of the main concerns or the reoccurring question that you keep hearing over? And can you give us an answer to that question? Well, I, you know, the simple answer is, is there any way to control costs? You know, if, if, if you're a CFO, uh, CEO, business owner, it's all the numbers and it's all financials and right. people, CFOs, business owners have been programmed to believe there's nothing to do about it. Okay? Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, if you pick apart the plan, if you analyze the healthcare supply chain, like I discussed, if you're willing to open up your mind and do things differently, you can affect the cost of your health plan. I've done it numerous times, um, but you can't do it unless you're willing to change your PBM, your pharmacy benefit manager, and go to a more transparent one. You can't do it unless you're willing to suggest to your employees, go to this place to get your hip replacement. You'll have no out-of-pocket if you go there. Don't go here because it's so expensive. We share costs. We're all part of the same company. Let's get the best care at the most affordable price. So um, when it comes to CFOs, that's what I'm hearing. Okay? Right. That's the biggest thing. It's, it's a money thing. Um, and I shared an example with you, right, on um, a company that has $10 million worth of revenue. They got a million-dollar health plan. What happens when they take a 10% rate increase? Right. Right. That's, that's an extra $100,000. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out, of, out of your next year's budget. How do, how do you deal with that? The CFO has to understand he has to treat his health plan like he treats all his other suppliers. If a, if a supplier isn't working out and costs too much, you change vendors, right? Mm -hmm. Or you look at change vendors, you create competition to keep yep. prices down. We have to do the same thing in the health insurance business, in the healthcare business. Um, so it's always cost is the first thing, but I'm hearing more and more, and I think it's a result of the pandemic again, people are, everybody's trying to hire people. I, I assume it's the same way in Atlanta or worse. Yeah. Um, I think I saw a graphic today. There's like, I don't know, like one, there's like two people for every job. Yeah. You know, there's more people need jobs or people need to fill positions more than there are people to fill them. Um, so I'm starting to hear that from, uh, from business owners. We got to do something. We got to, if we got to spend a little more money, we got to do it. Yeah. Gonna, is it going to be salary? Is it going to be benefits? Is it going to be a mix of things? Is it going to be flexibility? Um, whatever it might be, they're struggling to hire people. So cost yeah. is first hiring and retaining Talent is, is second. Those are the top two. I probably 80% of what I hear. And, it, and it's an ongoing strategy, right? 
I mean, it's an ongoing strategy. It, again, it's not yeah. waiting to hear from your agent, um, you know, 30 days before it's, you know, Hey, we've got this in place. It's managing it throughout the whole year and understanding what's going on and being prepared, you know, you know, a couple months, several months before that renewal happens on, you know, how do we strategize to, you know, mitigate this or how do we take advantage of it? Yeah. You need to hear from your advisor more than once a year. Um, if you're a self-funded plan and you've got data about what's going on in your plan, you need to review it at least halfway through the plan year to see what's mm -hmm. going on so that you can be prepared for renewal. Um, and a big thing in our business now is, is how do we communicate effectively to employees so that they're better consumers of healthcare too? Yeah. Because that's part of the, the piece of it too. If you have employees that look at your benefit card that you provide them as a business, as, a, as an unlimited credit card, and you're going to have oh, yeah. a health plan. Okay. Yeah. And that, yeah. And but it's being you, proactive. I agree with you 100%, right? Having a wellness plan and things like that, where you're pushing healthy decisions, um, you know, and, it, you know, and getting that out every month or every week, I think that helps tremendously. Yeah. And with today's technology curfew, there's no excuse not to do it. Oh, these, these, right. These telemedicine apps, you can set them out to do push notifications about your plan. Exactly. So you, we can we can schedule benefit education through push notifications on these apps to people's phones and text them. Yeah. So every month they're getting push notifications for from their telemedicine app about what their deductible is and how have they met it. Um, and, and when and when and when medical situations arise, how do you approach those? I always see that too because. You know, if you educate people saying, hey, if you get sick or whatever, here's your alternatives. You don't have to rush to the emergency room. That's a bad idea. Well, from the employer standpoint, right? It's a very bad idea because that's going to cost. That's going to raise your costs. And next year, guess what? You're going to have a rate increase. But if you can educate on certain situations, medical situations that arise throughout your life, throughout your year, what are the steps to approach or what are the steps to prevent those things from happening or reducing those things from happening, that's going to lower your costs as well. Am I Listen, wrong? You got to keep the information in front of the employees all the time because the old way the dinosaurs did it was they did an employee meeting once a year renewal and yep. they, expected, they expected employees to know what they were doing eight months later. Yeah. Not going to happen. But if kid getting, gets a fever, they freak out. They're a helicopter parent and they, they rush into the emergency room, right? My mom and dad would have put an ice cube or whiskey in and throw it down my throat and called it a day, right? <laughs> employees have been programmed. I don't have to worry about it because I've got a, I've got a health plan, mm -hmm. right? I just use it when I have a problem. Well, that's created huge rate increases, huge expense increases. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is kind of reinvent the way employees think about their health care. And one way to do it is through this technology with these telemedicine apps to keep, at least on a monthly basis, they're getting push notifications on their phone about how to use their plan. If they have a big situation, what do they do? You know, who talk to somebody, basically, right? Call me, yeah. call your benefit guy, call your HR department. What do I do? to tackle this with the best care at the best price so that we all win. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Hey man, this has been a great show and believe it or not, we are coming to the end of the show, unfortunately. Uh, 
I really appreciate you've really educated me. You've educated our, our uh, listeners out there. So again, I, I thank you so much for coming on, Dan. I really, hey, really, really I, appreciate it. Man. You're, you're welcome. I enjoyed it very much. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to even fill 15 minutes? Oh, dude. Yeah. We've already, we've been going for like 40 minutes already, 45, I think. So we're, right. we're, we're rocking and rolling, but uh, I'm not going to let you get off that easy. Cause I know you've listened to the show. So yeah. before we end today's show, how about we play a little game called get to know Dan. All right. All right. So what, how I'm going to do this, I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you have to say the first answer that comes to your mind as okay. fast as, as fast as you can. Okay. Are you ready? All right. All right. Yeah. Batman or Superman, which would you be? Superman. Why? Uh, yeah, he's flies. He flies. <laughs> well, Batman flies, doesn't he? Kind of. <laughs> With some help, right? Uh, <laughs> what's the last thing you search for on your phone? uh what can you say it (laughs) Uh, yeah absolutely uh uh, when i'm gonna uh, water my waterfly app when i'm gonna go to crossfit later today attaboy good one good one what's what's your worst habit my worst habit uh um i wish i watched less tv Really? Well, what do you, what have you been, what have you been watching? What's, what's, do you get hooked on the Netflix stuff? Like a series comes well, out and you're like, Oh, I got to binge watch that. I have never binge watched Netflix, but, but to turn my mind off, I turn TV on sometimes. And yeah, I wish I did had a better response to turning my mind off. Have you ever, have you ever had a wardrobe malfunction? A wardrobe malfunction? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, like my zipper been left on. <laughs> Was it in front of a big group or anything like that? Or uh, probably, <laughs> it probably happened really without me being aware of it until after, or even if I was. All right. That's not that. That's not too bad. No. As long as you wear boxing briefs, if you go commando, now we got a different issue. I genuinely well covered, and yeah. <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? My celebrity crush, uh, Carly Shimkus. Who is Carly Shimkus? On, on Fox and Friends. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I, I'll give you that one. <laughs> uh, do you, if you had a choice of no internet or no AC and heat, what, what would you choose? Uh, no. What was the second one? No what? Air, air conditioner oh, heat. Oh. Oh God, that's hard. Uh, I know, right? Probably no air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I, I. Yeah, that's what I would say too. I just recently turned mine on. I mean, I pushed it down here, and it was just getting. I mean, down here it's hot, right? And it, I, I pushed it, I pushed it, and it just got to the point, man. I, hey, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I like to be, I like to be cold. Um, yeah. But, but you know, without the internet, I'd turn a fan on and keep the internet. <laughs> So what as seen on TV product have you bought or wanted to buy? Seen on TV. Oh my God. Have you bought everybody? Uh, anything? You're like, why did I buy that? Oh, uh, probably like an exercise bike or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. What's, what's, what's one food you would never order in a restaurant? Never. Uh, I'm real careful about sushi. Okay. Have you had a bad experience? I love sushi, but it's got, I got to make sure it, it's a fresh place. Um, so you don't so, do the grocery store in the afternoon? 
I don't do the buffet. I don't do buffet sushi. <laughs> oh um, yeah. I don't. You know sushi gal in Peoria? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I do know the place. That's my go-to. Yep. That's a good place. Very good place. Yeah. I, I'm careful about fish in general in restaurants. <laughs> Although I like it. So, so since we're speaking about food, what animal most closely resembles your eating style? Uh, probably a pig. <laughs> really, big eater. I, I, I have a reputation with my family of eating a lot. Yes. But I mean, you, but you stay healthy though, right? So you, do you do the whole, you get the cheat meal and just go man versus food on it when that time comes? I do do occasional cheat days um, and cheat meals. Yeah. But I, I eat a lot. I eat. But you eat healthy though. A lot of the time, but it's mostly healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, real food, natural food. You can, you can eat a lot of Brussels sprouts and it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Oh, I love, bro- I you love eat a lot of yogurt. Yeah. yeah. So. Last question. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in someone else's home? Weirdest thing I've ever seen in someone else's home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you uh, don't have to name the person, but you can. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Someone else's home. Um, That's a great question. There's never thing you walked into someone's house and go, what the hell is that? Or why do they have Uh, that? Probably like some stuffed animal or something. Yeah. (laughs) Like gigantic stuffed giraffe or something. Could be. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Big stuffed bear. Uh, Hallway or something. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you taking your time out of the business schedule, especially playing that game with me. Um, thanks for coming on the show. And thank, thank you. you know, thanks for sharing with us, you know, your life experiences, your business and your knowledge. I, you know, I truly, truly appreciate that. It's been an extreme pleasure, well, buddy. I appreciate you letting me share it. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a real pleasure. So um, before we go, is there anything you want to bring up or plug before we end the show? You know, not Nothing specific, just uh, where can I, I find guess Dan? I would where ask can I find Dan? Viewers yeah. to, uh, you can find Dan at HyattInsurance.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Uh, Dan Hyatt on LinkedIn, uh, Hyatt Insurance on LinkedIn. Um, I guess I, the thing I would say is business owners, CFOs, expect more from your advisor. Okay. Get out of the status quo mindset. You can do better. If you want to call me and try to do better, that's great. But just, just in general, try to do better. Uh, you yeah. can do better. Good. And be on the lookout for Dan's upcoming right. podcast, right? Are you still thinking about doing it? Hey, I am thinking about doing it. You know, this was right. being a guest was kind of, like I said, being a, it's a first step. And uh, hopefully I didn't mumble and stumble and look stupid here. So I can do my own podcast and, um, well, I mumble, I mumble and stumble, and look stupid every day, Dan, and people still listen to me. So don't let that stop you, man. Hey, you just gotta get out there and do it, right? That's right. You just gotta put yourself out there. Zero, zero F's given is what I say. I don't really care. This is who I am. Yeah. You want to? There's people that want to listen to me. That's all. That's I understand. I agree. Just want to get my message out there. That's it. So me too, man. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the your 
our show on your favorite podcast platform and then ha- and leave a five-star review on that platform if you've enjoyed today's show and uh, other past episodes. And as always, I'm always grateful for all of our listeners who turn in from all over the world. Don't forget that you can pick up our award-winning beer products. I mentioned, I'm going to grab it again and show everybody at hashtag biz with the beard uh, podcast. You can go to my website, ACS executives. You also can get Wolfpack gear, um, biz with beard gear. See the hat. Here's the beard product from Anyaker beard company. They've done a scent based on us. It's amazing stuff. So I uh, hope I did that long enough. Um, but yeah, you get any of that stuff at our website or my website at www.acsexec.com. And there you have it. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here until next episode. Same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to hashtag biz with the beard podcast. Remember every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, 
improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.